This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. What we do in August every year is we get ready and gear up for the fall. So we take the last year of series that we've preached through. And we invite our, our church to go through and vote. What, what was your favorite series? What series impacted your life? What did you see this year that changed your life the most? You know why we do that is that God, all throughout Scripture, invites us to remember what He's done in our life. Psalm 105 verse 5 says, Remember the wonders that He has done. As a matter of fact, remembering was such a big deal as Israel was creating its identity that when God did something, they would often build a monument so that as they saw that later on in their life, they would be reminded of the wonders that God had done. You know, the thing about Scripture is that while God invites us to remember what He has done, He never really invites us to remember what we've done. Not our failures or our successes but to remember that He is a big and loving God who has been generous to us, that He's been very powerful in our lives, that He has changed us and molded us. And as we step into the series, The Best Of, really the reason we do this is that God has moved in your life over the last year. And how many of you would say this? It's all too easy to experience the move of God, to have God literally show up and deliver you and just to step right beyond that and never look back. It's easy to do that. And so as we begin this series, The Best Of, it's with the intention that we would remember what God has done in our lives. Now this week we begin a series, or this week, uh, voted in the top four, we bring back a series called The God of Second Chances. The God of Second Chances zeroed in on a small, tiny book that you find at the, towards the end of the Old Testament, the book of Jonah. It's found in the Minor Prophets, surrounded by books like Amos and Daniel. And as we read through the book of Jonah, we see that God is a God of second chances. As you get your Bibles turned to Jonah or get out your phones or your iPads or whatever you're looking at in your Bible. I'd like to tell you a story today. It was my favorite story that I got to tell during this series. It's about Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison is maybe one of the best, most well-known inventors of the early 20th century in America. Edison is responsible for a multitude of inventions that influence our modern day in ways that we don't even understand. Edison actually worked in a laboratory that was called Menlo Park with his staff. It was so popular that newspapers like the New York Times actually had reporters that were stationed outside of Menlo Park to report on the things that Edison was creating. And as the development of what we call the light bulb was in its infancy, In the middle of the night, out of Menlo Park, you would see light erupting as the team researched, developed what would become the first light bulb. As it neared 
the end of completion. When the light bulb was being developed, Edison actually decided with his team, it's such an important discovery, the light bulb itself would almost single-handedly propel electricity to be spread out into areas like ours, rural America. Because it was so significant, the team worked nonstop, almost 24 hours in a row as they neared the completion of that light bulb. And when they had the prototype in hand, Edison called a young boy, the son of one of his workers, to come over and to carry the light bulb upstairs where it needed to go next. And as you can imagine, as the young boy ascended the stairs carrying that very important glass light bulb, he tripped. And on the second to the last step, he dropped the light bulb. And it shattered all over the steps and all the work of the team was lost. You see, that moment is representative of our lives in a lot of ways. We have been handed one of the greatest gifts, if not the greatest gift we're ever going to give by God. God has given us life. He gave us life. And as we carried it, we all dropped it. We all dropped that great, precious gift from God. And when we dropped it, it shattered. Now, some of your lives were shattered because of stuff that you did. You sinned. You fell short of the mark that God wanted. And some of your lives were shattered because of something that someone else did to you. But we all know what it feels like to be broken. Jonah is a story about how God, through his mercy and grace, intersects our brokenness to give us a second chance. And it opens with these words. Would you read them with me as I Read along on the screen. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. You see, as the book of Jonah opens, we are aware that Jonah, this man, is someone who has the kind of relationship with God where God speaks to him and God intends to use him. In the Old Testament, we call those prophets. And we find those all throughout, especially as we look towards the end of the Old Testament, Isaiah, Ezekiel. And God used these prophets as he would speak to them. They would become his mouthpiece inside the nation of Israel. And he used them many times to pronounce judgment, to bring upon repentance, and then change. Jonah was a prophet. 
God is speaking to Jonah. And it's likely to assume that God has spoken to Jonah before. If you actually read in the Hebrew and understand how that verse opens, you understand, and then the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And actually the way it's written, it's a continuance. In other words, this story had a before now. This is just a continuing element of a story that existed before. But see, Jonah asked was asked by God to go to a city, Nineveh. Now, Nineveh, as we can tell, has kind of come up before the Lord. It has now an identity of sin. It's not just a bunch of sinners, because if you know anything about all of us, every city is filled with a bunch of sinners. But now there is a city that has grafted its identity out of sin. Probably not something that we're too unfamiliar with, right? Because what happens in eh stays in eh, right? Because it is sin city. So the city has created an identity out of sin and God's judgment is being leveraged against it. And he wants Jonah to go there and to proclaim really what is a very simple message. God sees your sin, and he's going to judge you for it. He's going to wipe you all off the earth. <laughs> really, a very pleasant message to deliver, right? I mean, that's really what you all want to walk into a shopping center and share with a bunch of people. You know that Jonah, upon hearing this message, does not become obedient to God. As a matter of fact, look at what Jonah 1.3 says, Jonah 1.3 says, Jonah ran away from the Lord. You know, this brings me to the first point in your notes today that we learned from Jonah that whenever it gets tough, we'll run to our supreme God. And in this moment, we find out, and Jonah himself finds out this about him, that God is not his supreme God. You see, God has asked him to do something that was outside of what he wanted God to do. Later, he would go on to say that, God, I know that if you send me, you're a kind and merciful God. You'll have compassion on them. They'll repent. I don't want you to be compassionate on them. You see, because... Jonah sees God writing a story that's different than the story he wants him to write. Jonah runs because, see, he is his own God. That's difficult for many of us. Because when the times get tough, it's really easy to pick up the phone and to call your best friend. Hey, I just, I just need to talk to you because it's not going to be okay until I talk to you. And some of us do that with our spouses, maybe with parents or brothers and sisters. But you, you know what? Whoever you run to, whatever you run to, even if it's a what, like a substance, whatever you run to, when times get tough, is your God. Jonah ran away from God. As a matter of fact, look at just to kind of give you a barometer on this, I'm going to show you this map. 
All right, so this is the Mediterranean Sea. Israel is over there in the crescent of the Mediterranean Sea. At the top is where Nineveh was. That's where God wants to send them. At the bottom is Joppa. That's the port that Jonah goes to. All the way over here in what is present-day uh, Spain, you see the city of historical city of Tarshish. Now, Jonah would have been right in the middle of that crescent. So when God says, Jonah wants you to go to Nineveh, his direction would have been to go north. Jonah literally went the opposite direction that God told him to go. And he went down to Joppa, and he caught a boat that was headed as far away as he could get. Times get tough. We'll run to our supreme God. So Jonah boards the boat in Joppa. And not too long after the boat disembarks and is found on the waves, a storm hits. Storm. Jonah, Jonah does something that's interesting when the storm hits. Look at what happens in Jonah 1, 5, and 6. Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. You see, Jonah is the kind of person that as the crew and the captain begin to encounter the storm, they recognize, Jonah, you know God. And it appears that God has sent a storm. What's going on? How are you at peace? And I don't, this is not in your notes, but I told you this during the series, that it's quite possible for you to be absolutely at peace and be running away from God, because that's where Jonah was. You see, the thing that we see in this moment as this storm begins to lay siege on the ship is that God is chasing Jonah. Isn't it good to know that God doesn't just look at us walking away and go, y'all be all right, y'all be back. It's all right, you're going to learn your lesson and you'll be back for too long. He doesn't. He, he actually pursues Jonah when he's running away from him. I mean, that's the kind of love that God has. That he sees us walking away, us wandering away from the kind of life that he wants to give us, and he chases us. But you have to step back and see how God is chasing Jonah. You see, Jonah didn't wake up that morning and have a nice little pretty handwritten love note from God on his dresser as he woke up. He didn't, God didn't make him tea and come down and just sit down and try to talk some sense into him. God chases Jonah in a storm. There are a few things that I would tell you today that we need to know about that storm that God is chasing Jonah through. This is in your notes. That even while Jonah is running away from God, we can see that Jesus wants to give him a second chance. You see, God could have easily wiped that ship off the face of the planet. God could have ended it before he ever got on that ship. If God wanted the story to end, it would have ended. But in that storm, in the 
difficulty, in the trial of that moment, there is laid within that a second chance. Because God, number three, is pursuing Jonah through a storm. Think about that. Think about that. When storms come in your life, do you sit back and go, God is chasing me? Or do you look at God and go, what? Why do you hate me? (laughs) You hate me. You don't like me anymore, God. Look at all this stuff that's going on around me, God. It's, it's, everything's breaking. No, that's what we do, isn't it? That's what we do. When maybe the storms that are in your life, instead of being liabilities, they're assets. Instead of you looking at them and thinking, These storms are just here to tear me down. Maybe God actually knows that he's got to do a little bit of tearing down before he can build it back up the right way. I'll tell you this. That too often we run from the things that God wants to use to bring us back to himself. And we see that. You see, the story of Jonah is as much a story about the prophet Jonah himself as it is about the city of Nineveh. Because when the book opens, we see a prophet who is, it's my way, the way I think it should go, or no way at all. Either, God, you do, if you will do what I think you should do, I will follow you and be your mouthpiece. But if you try to do something that is out of bounds for me, God, I'm not following you at all. And so in the middle of that storm, in the middle of that storm, the sailors toss Jonah overboard. Think about that. Worst case scenario, right? I'm out at sea, it's a storm, and now I'm out in the middle of the ocean. And God sends a great fish is what's described in Scripture as. A big old fish to swallow Jonah. <laughs> now, that's one of those things that logically it just seems to elude us, right? There are very few, like, fishes in the sea that are big enough to swallow a human being, much less to find one in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. But you see what's happening here is that God is inviting us again to believe his word. I would tell you this, that if the Bible says it is true, if the Bible says if the Bible says that Jonah was swallowed by a fish, Jonah was swallowed by a fish. If the Bible says that the way to deal with conflict is to forgive your enemy, forgive your enemy. If the Bible says that the best thing for you financially is to give 10% of your income away, the best thing for you to do financially is to give 10% of your income away. See, if the Bible says that it's true, and as this fish swallows Jonah, inside of the well, the second chapter of the book of Jonah records a prayer that Jonah prays. 
In that prayer, Jonah repents. God, I was wrong. You are a compassionate God, full of love and mercy. And in that moment, God orders that fish to vomit him up. You see, sometimes the deliverance that we want from God doesn't look a lot like being the champion at the end of a NASCAR race. It ends up looking like somebody who's covered in puke having just been delivered out of the belly of a fish. God delivers Jonah. Jonah is now on a beach, and really there's some speculation as to where he would have been. Would he be closer to Joppa, or would he be northern, uh, a little bit north of where the ship would have been towards Nineveh? Where would Jonah have been? But either way, Jonah is again met with the word of the Lord as we read in Jonah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. This is important. So Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Isn't it good to know that when we don't get it right the first time, God doesn't give up on us? See, that's what we see. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. There's a few things that I would tell you as the story begins to progress. Jonah goes into Nineveh proclaiming that very simple message of God's judgment. The people of Nineveh began to hear this message and respond by repenting. As a matter of fact, there is a movement that is so vast within the city that the king himself calls uh, Jonah into his courts, hears the message, decides and declares a fast of repentance. And the people of Nineveh respond to God and God shows them grace and mercy. You see, the second chance that was given to Jonah became a second chance that was given to the city of Nineveh. Here are a few things that I think that we need to know about the God of second chances. See, the first thing is really simple. Is that God knows that you're not perfect. God knows that you're not perfect. A few weeks ago, we handed out some t-shirts. Some of y'all are wearing them today. It says, no perfect people allowed, right? No perfect people allowed. That statement, I'm not perfect. Now, all of us would probably, if we were just talking casually, say, yeah, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Yeah, that's right. I know I'm not. I know I'm not perfect. Really, you do. Okay, so why, why do you get so frustrated and upset when you can't get it right? Why are you so depressed about your past failure? Because somewhere inside of you, you expected that you could be perfect. Why are you getting so upset with other people when they blow it? Why are you struggling with other people when they can't get something that you get? 
Maybe because you expect them to be perfect. You see, you're not perfect. As a matter of fact, the only perfection in all of human history is found in Jesus. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. And he is all of the perfection. See, anytime that we think we can be perfect, first of all, we're fooled. But really what happens is we become our own functional Savior. Perfection is not the goal. I mean, I would tell you that if you struggle with that, in Christianity, the the goal is progress. The Bible says that we need to be conformed into the image of Jesus. And so our goal is not to be perfect, but to make progress towards the perfection because ultimately in eternity, God will offer us perfection. The second thing that we need to know is that we all desperately need a second chance because you're imperfect, because you're not going to always get it right. You need a second chance. You see, Jonah is most likely the kind of man of God that if we saw his whole story, we would sit back in awe and watching what God did through him. But the story that we see is a story of someone who is remarkably flawed, who failed, and even reluctantly was used by God as a city was spared. Jonah himself needed a second chance. I I need a second chance. You think of the best person that you know in your life. They need a second chance. We all need a second chance. But not just you, but people that you love are going to need a second chance. Because we're not perfect, God has led us into a position to understand that really we need to be the kind of people that give second chances. As a matter of fact, I would tell you this. This is the third thing. That God wants us to re-gift grace and mercy to give others a second chance. He wants us to take the grace and mercy that we've been given and re-gift it and give it to somebody else. You see, the gifts of God as God gives them to us are not meant for us to keep wrapped up, never open. They're not meant to go on a mantle to look at. They're meant for us to experience and then give away. So when God forgives you, you have the opportunity to re-gift forgiveness. When God gives you mercy, you have the opportunity to re-gift mercy. When God blesses you financially, you have the opportunity to re-gift that blessing and bless someone else. Look what the Bible says in Romans 2. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things. Do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness 
is intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. You see, we've all broken the law. We've all failed God through sin. And justice is looking at that law broken and saying there must be something done. But to give us a second chance, God sent His Son Jesus to die in our place, to be the punishment of our sins, to absorb the wrath of God. And because of that, when we fail God, God looks at us not through judgment, but through love and desires to give us a second chance. You see, Jonah received a second chance. We have often received second chances and the right response to a second chance is actually giving that second chance to somebody else. After that light bulb was dropped, shattered all over the steps, the team, knowing that they were so close to one of the most important inventions that we would see over the last several hundred years, decided that they would continue to work. And so, they worked for 24 more hours crafting another light bulb. And as the light bulb again drew close to its completion, Thomas Edison found that same young boy. Brought him in again and handed him that light bulb and invited him to take it back upstairs. You see, all of us are like that boy. We've all dropped our lives. We've all shattered our lives. Sin has messed it all up. But God, through Jesus Christ, has offered us our lives back. He's paid the penalty for that sin. He has provided the righteousness that will empower us to live the right way. He is giving us the strength through His Holy Spirit. God is offering us that life. You see, right now today, you might be the person that's in here and knows my life is broken right now. It's shattered. It's all messed up. I can't even put it back together, but I would tell you today that through the grace and mercy and kindness of God that He is offering you a second chance. Let's pray. God, in the sobering reality that most of us have at some point woken up and look at our lives and, and found them to be a lot like that light bulb dropped all over the steps, shattered and broken. God, we are eternally thankful that by your mercy you have paved 
the way for us to know you. God, that you have opened up the door for us to have a relationship with you, that you are the God of second chances, willing, God, to invite us into a story that we don't deserve. So today, God, God, some of us are broken and lost and in need, and we look to you. With nobody looking around, every, every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody stirring. Let me ask you a question today. Do you need a second chance? Do you need a second chance today? Maybe you came in today knowing my life is absolutely broken and shattered. Maybe there's a relationship that's in your life right now that's broken. Do you need a second chance? chance today do you need to give somebody a second chance today do you need to give someone a second chance maybe today as we've prayed God has elevated and reminded you of somebody that you have been living in a broken relationship with and you need to give them a second chance Maybe, maybe today it's you. You're living in a, a, a mess of brokenness. And you need God to give you a second chance. All you need to do is to look into the heart of God and say, God, I get it. You came to give me a second chance. I want to be faithful to you. I want to follow you. I will take it. God, I will take this second chance. If that's you and you're here today and you would say, I need a second chance. I need a second chance at this. I've blown it. I've messed it up. If that's you and you're here today, all you need to do is just respond to Jesus. Would you raise your hand right now? Just say, hey, that's me. That's me. I need a second chance. I need a second chance. I have blown it, God. I have walked away from you. I want to get this right. Is there anybody else? I see those hands. Is there anybody else that's here today? You would say, it's me. So God, for those of us that are here, that desperately need a second chance, God, we look at you. We love you. We thank you for the opportunity to walk into a new relationship with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.